Uh, hello and welcome to the Three Guys Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Ben. I'm Dixon. And we brought back Jay. Say hi, Jay. Me, Grimnock King. Yeah, that wasn't bad. And we just got back from seeing Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, Michael Bay releasing another childhood hit that's bound to upset people. I don't know. <clears throat> we didn't see it in 3D. Should we have seen it in 3D? God, no. God, no. Only if you have an airsick bag. Because... Jesus Christ. There's two problems with the concept of 3D in this movie. They work against it. One is length, because it's three hours. It's this is a, this is too much time to spend in the theater with those 3D glasses on. Like it hurts my eyes, and I have okay eyes. I don't know how someone wearing glasses like you two, like J or Dixon. How how do you, how do you live with your? Like, how does that work? I have to look. I, don't, I looked away at some points because I'm just like, uh, like I'm, I'm just imagining my eyeballs melting out of my skull at some point. <laughs> And that happened to me too in a couple actions. Like, oh, you know what? I, oh, ow, I've got the Michael Bay headache. That's what I call it. Well, you're that. trying to focus, but there's nothing to focus in on. Because it's just, it's just, a, it's throwing crap at you. And, and, uh, and kind crap. of strobing. There's a lot of strobing scenes. Oh, yes. yeah. In the ship, it's like. I think it's a general no, you don't need to see this in 3D across the board. No. If you do see it in 3D. You're a masochist. You're a masochist. Uh, so, yeah, don't we... see this in 3D. Wait, wait. I guess the best way to start this is. You guys haven't... Um, I'm looking at Ben, Jay, and I don't know about Dix, but we'll say Ben and Jay for sure. You guys have only seen the first one. Only seen the first one. Right? Yeah, I've only seen most of the first one. Okay. I think I lost a little at mm-hmm. the end there. I've seen all three, much to my horror. I've and, seen all three. And, yeah, I'm sure you're very much the same. With that knowledge in mind, do you... Rec- okay, now, we know there was that commercial that handily explained everything from the toys. <laughs> yes. In, like, 30 seconds. Which, you know, we could have just left after that and we would have got the whole movie. But. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, but do you think it's required to see those early movies? You know what, Does it help? Does it hurt? Seeing the first one definitely puts you in a frame of reference for what's happening now. It gives you a baseline. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen the tra- any of the trailers for 2 and 3, you have a general idea of, hey, a lot of bad stuff just happened, now here's some aftermath. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you can get from the third movie is that they reference this battle of Chicago because in the third movie they have this giant battle in Chicago, which, which is very sense. much felt in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's the hour and a half of the movie. We're still feeling it. Oh man, are we feeling it? But they did a pretty good job of getting us up to speed really quickly. It's like you didn't need to see everything that happened back then. It would have been cool because then you would know like all the specifics of why someone is there and why someone is not. Yeah, but, I bet. I mean, it's kind of little things. You don't need them, but it would be nice to know, I guess. <laughs> Trust me, guys. It's not worth knowing what we've seen. No, there's the only thing that are really a callback to the older movies is a couple of the characters. Most of the cast in this is new. Well, for all the humans, and the only Autobots that we see again are Optimus, Bumblebee. We see Ratchet a little bit. We see Leadfoot die, who was one of the ones. I think he's in the second or third movie. Can't remember. One of the Wreckers. Yeah, and Brains. Brains, who's the least offensive of the two comedy sidekick little robots. Yeah. I say least offensive because we see less of them yeah. in the other two movies. <laughs> yeah. He actually uh, serves a purpose in the plot. Yes. Oh, which yeah. is nice. And then as soon as he's unimportant to the plot again, he disappears. But. Um, so I think that's a good place to start because I know these are a point of contention for the Transformers movies at all times, is they focus too much on the human cast. Did you think the human casts, were they, were they good? Were they bad? Like... How do you think the human element of the story played in with the Transformers story? Because I know everyone wants to go to see this movies to see Dinobots and to see robots fighting. 
a lot of people were always upset about the human stories because with Shia LaBeouf, it's problematic because he's not an action hero. I'm sorry, Shia, you just can't do it. I but, don't think the humans took it from I think they almost drove the movie at some points. They are kind of... They, they do help move the plot forward, which is nice. Actually, I think it's a total 180 on this, uh, at least for me, because uh, there's something I've learned to hate for the original for the original trilogy. Uh, this is a new trilogy, so expect to see two more movies with whatever actor they can afford to bring back. <laughs> Will I ever see you again, Optimus? Depends if, you, if they pay to bring you back, Mark Wahlberg. Depends if they pray you to come back. The human cast is, again, it's really good. I, the strongest one, they've got good ones all over the place. My personal favorite is Mark Wahlberg. He's a much better lead than Shia ever was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And he was really useful. He actually helped a lot. Yeah, he did stuff in the movie that was, you know, not only important to what was going on, but it actually helped advance the plot. Yeah. My, my personal favorite was evil Steve Jobs. Stanley Tucci plays a great... Uh, see, the thing is with uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, and this is a little silly, but I'll forgive it, is he's essentially uh, an inventor who can't invent anything. He's well, the he only can, but they're never useful enough to sell. The only invention he built that was even remotely working was his guard dog, and even that didn't work. Not really. Well, to be fair, he had like millions of bills, so who knows if he even had a phone line to, for the thing to call. I don't think he did. Uh, but the point is, he's, he's an inventor, then you have then you have Stanley Tucci on the other side, who's basically the polar opposite. He's an inventor that through something we're never quite sure how he did it, but he somehow made a billion dollar company, and he's using that funding to do his half of the story, which is from the trailers as you've seen, is they've discovered a metal that they can use to make transformers. Like that's pretty much the human eight base of the plot on the villain. Yeah, side. they can make transformers now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the two halves of the same coin. Yeah. But they're both inventors, and they got into it loving to invent. One got successful, and then there's the other guy. And there's actually the thing is there's actually depth to this Stanley Tucci character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not just a jerk. He's not evil no. Steve Jobs. Not entirely, anyway. Yeah, not exactly. Well, when you meet him, it's like, okay, this guy's the son of the devil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Later yeah. on, he goes, uh-oh, I fucked up. I fucked up hard. Kelsey Grammer plays yeah. an antagonist. He he is he pretty much plays the human villain. I want to say, which is better than they've done in the other movies, where it was like yes. a random He's British a guy, outright dick. But I love his his dickishness because oh yeah, there's a, you actually buy it as a. Um, we sort of had this discussion in theaters about it. I view it as he's just being. It's it's a stereotype, fine, but he's that standard military villain stereotype. Mm-hmm. He believes he's doing the right thing. And if he's got to kill some people to get the right thing done, he's going to do it. Well, he also wanted to get recognition and get paid. Yeah. That's why he was doing a lot of this, too. That, like, that was certainly it, too, by the end of it. It's like, oh, I get a, uh, what was it, like $50 million share of your company? No, yeah. five, million, five million shares of the company. Which is of like a month. billions. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll take that. There's the daughter and the boyfriend. Who I thought was someone else. Yeah. Turns out he wasn't. I like the dynamic as it plays off Mark Wahlberg's character's backstory. That essentially, uh, he met his wife when they were teenagers, and um, accident baby, whoops. And but he promised to raise her, and then at some point the mother dies. Yeah. So you have boyfriend, girlfriend, dad doesn't know about boyfriend. Let the comedy ensue. It's sitcommy to a sense, but how did you put it? It was basically. Um, oh, what movie did you say it was? Oh, okay. so. The whole, the whole uh, 
daughter boyfriend dad dynamic was basically a rip and read from Armageddon, which I think worked because it, it didn't get in the way of the story and it uh, helped develop relationships as characters. She's kind of useless, but like, she does have some. Like, she's kind of there to be in peril for a lot of the movie. She's the damsel in distress. Yeah, which, ultimately. Yeah. Which. It was really whiny and irritating. But it was a lot better at the end, where she became useful. Yeah, she does have some moments where she's actually helping, so... Yeah. And, and did, she does have a nice ass. And they did kind of do a little homage to the tow truck scene from the first movie. It's more sensical here, kind of. Yeah, it yeah. works better here. The movie kind of went into Michael Bay's kind of, like, Rolodex of things where I'm going to put in my movie, like... Stereotypical, like... Comedy... Sidekick? Yeah. We'll call him a sidekick. The, the uh, surfer bum guy... Yeah. Who, who a uh, I still can't find Surfer who he is. He's, he's a bad version of the dude. He's okay though. You know, he's not completely irredeemable. He's entertaining at least. I don't know. I did not like him. He's in... better than anyone like him in the other movies. Yeah, he's I'm better probably. than a uh, the dude from Community, the Asian guy, or the roommate hmm. in the second one, or the roommate in the second one, or the or, parents in all three of them. Yeah, or the kid's buddy who he ditches to try and pick up Megan Fox yeah. in the first one. Like, like, like there's literally that kid growing up a few years. Yeah, but this guy has some character. Yes, he um, had some depth. Mm, and then there's, I'm trying to think of other humans. This is the CIA guy, which is... Eh. Well, there was the, the geologist. We don't get much of. We don't get much of. The geologist, of yeah, she doesn't need to be there. She's a... Uh, she could have been out of the movie. Completely. Replaced her with the... Because uh, what'd she do? She was like, oh, it's... Uh, there's things it's going a on. Magical history-changing thing that was in the beginning, and yeah. Well, she was basically there to go. I told you so. Um, but she never does. And they imply no. it's like the ex-girlfriend of uh, Stanley Tucci's character. They seem to imply that. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense because then he has this romantic thing with the Chinese lady, who seems like who's who's actually important to the plot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Since such a great majority of this movie takes place in Hong Kong. That's basically all the humans. They changed up locations. Like, they're always blowing up America. In the last, what, in the last three, they blew up three American cities or whatever? Then they shifted over to China just so they can blow up Well, Egypt's in the one. Okay, so they got... But, I mean, the whole... Some of the, like, the human action scenes in China were pretty interesting and fun. And... I think the best part about it is is that the action scenes of this this one actually sort of make sense. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for them to go to China. There's a reason for the plot to suddenly shift to China. As opposed to something like, oh, we found it in Chernobyl. It's like, oh, we're going to Chernobyl, I guess, because that's, it's, it's still kind of artificial, but at least it, it's oh, yeah, somewhat that did, logical. That did happen. In the third one, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I blocked that out. Yeah. There's a lot of things I block about those two movies. I don't. don't um, that then, thing I'm not allowed to mention. Then there's the Transformers cast. Which again, like, okay, we'll save Optimus for last because I think he's the most interesting of them. Unfortunately. Well, actually, that's, that's both good and bad, I think, but uh, yeah. the rest of the cast is not bad either. There's a uh, John Goodman as Hound. Hound, and he's basically playing his character from uh, The Big Lebowski, minus the F-bombs. Yeah. He's yeah. basically the same guy. He actually he's gets a lot fun. of airtime, too. He's a, he's a lot of fun. And he's I, a, oh, yeah. Yes. I'm curious how much of what he said was ablived and they just went with it, because I know there's one or two times in there I'm thinking, hey, that can't be written. Aaron Krieger's not the smarter writer. Yeah. <laughs> the Autobots in this one, at least like that aren't Optimus, they're a lot more defined in this one, and even visually a lot more defined and differentiated from each other. They have mm -hmm. a very strong silhouette. Like there's uh, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, yeah like there's Ken Watanabe's a uh, drift. drift, drift, which to be fair is accurate to the comics, but he's basically playing 
the Japanese otaku. He's playing a samurai. He is, of. but yeah. the origin of the character, as I understand it, is he's uh, he's essentially playing the otaku, which, yeah. which you know, it works. Uh, it's, just, it's funny they got Ken Watanabe to play him. That's like a, oh, haha. Yeah. They got a Japanese guy to play a Transformer pretending to be somebody from Japan. Yeah. Um, I think that character, he did all right. He was it, he had yeah. enough interest that it's like, oh, we got to listen to this guy talk for ten minutes? Oh, boy. To be fair, he only did that once where he did the haiku thing. And his one moment of the element of surprise, uh, that was funny. Yes. He, he had, there yeah. was a little bit of... He was serious, but he didn't. They didn't make him so serious that it's like, okay, they, they, great. They they made him serious at the same, and then they took the piss yeah. out of him right He's away. He's not Buzz Killington. Yeah. yeah. Then we get no. Crosshairs, voiced by John DiMaggio, who's basically. I, I kept saying this. My closest comparison to him is he's practically. Uh, Hawkeye from the comics. I find he's more. He's a smartass. He's a smartass yeah. with a duster and guns. Like I've seen some later stuff of him that he's basically doing that. You know, he was once again his own character, uh, very pessimistic, but it worked. It yeah. works because it's John DiMaggio. He he plays a great smartass. Yeah, Bumblebee. Who I'm still disappointed they never bothered to give him back his voice, but whatever. At this point, it doesn't matter. He's still talking through the radio, but he doesn't say a lot. It's a bit more coherent this time, but not as funny as it was in the first movie. Because the, I think the... They're uh, almost like generic clips. Yeah. 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 Like, And I think the humor of it's kind of gone. The you first... might as well just be talking normally now. Yeah, yeah at this point, there's no reason not to. Although I do enjoy the one radio joke. Oh. MC Hammer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the MC Hammer joke. Okay. Yeah, we'll, the, leave, uh... we'll let you have fun with that. But, it, you know, they did it a couple times in other movies. Or the first one. That was kind of it. Was well played. There it was um, Galvatron. Yes, we'll 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 delve into the villains. The problem I have with this film is that there's too many villains. Because the problem with the story, kind of in general, is there's so much going on at the same all at the same time. You have the human subplots, the Transformers subplots, which which don't which sort of mirror each other. They both kind of have the same objective, so they kind of they flow together. Mm-hmm. But then they have. Um, the Galvatron subplot about Megatron coming back through the human-made Transformers. And um, we'll talk more about him in the visuals. I think that's where he's more interesting. Then you have Lockdown, who, as far as I'm concerned, is this vil- this film's villain. Yeah, it's Lockdown and Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. Mega- uh, Galvatron is there because we need a villain for setup. And hopefully they don't ruin him again, because this is the second attempt. Hopefully, you know, uh, Megatron 2.0 will do better than the first one. I think they've worked out the bugs this time. Lockdown is... Um, Try to get the best way to put this. I think I got it. Lockdown is an intergalactic bounty hunter working for a shadowy organization that we know nothing about yet. They call them the Creators. Which, if you're a Transformers fan, uh, or walking Wikipedia, as you and uh, Dixon and Jay are, you have an idea who these are already, or who they should be. Well, in the... In the 80s cartoon show, the creators were a race called the Quintessons, who we see in... The movie. The yes. movie, yeah. right? Whether they go that route, who, who knows? knows? But yeah. uh, the, we kind of have an idea of who these creators... Well, they may not have been the creators, but when they're doing the opening scene, which I thought would have a Peter Cullen like, Optimus Prime narration, but did not. They don't actually do that to the end of the movie, which is weird. You see uh, when they're blowing up... Essentially, these, these the aliens come down, they blow up dinosaurs, because I guess... We got to showcase these guys mean business. Yeah. <laughs> you see, like uh, what looks to be a hand pressing a button to activate Doomsday, well, yeah, and it's kind of spindly. Is, it's 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 robotic, it, fleshy, cybernetic. 
Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it's cyborg. A cybernetic organism. Or it's got like a shell. I don't know. It's there's a hand. There, there is a like... weird, greasy and slimy looking. Yeah, it was. It was. It could have been a teenage mutant ninja turtle's hand for all I know. Yeah. And, that uh, looked more like uh, War of the Worlds Martian, the first one, the good one. Yeah, I guess. Or the uh, Pacific Rim uh, aliens. But basically, yeah. he's working for the Watan's working for the creators, and he wants to kidnap. He's trying to capture. Uh, Optimus Prime so that he has to get all the knights off the table is a metaphor he's, he uses. He kind of talks like, very vaguely. I think that that's not on purpose though because there is going to be a fifth movie and there's probably going to be a sixth movie. There's a lot of setup for another movie here. Mm-hmm. Which so much is not explained. Which is both good and bad because you know provided they don't pull a lost and never explain anything you know what or the explanation's stupid yeah, at least we're going to get this explanation. It's actually an interesting story setup. And there's an actual mentality and reason for a trilogy, as opposed to the first three, which are connected. They're not connected. They're a trilogy of no connection. At least these three movies, in theory, will have a connecting story that makes sense across all three. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's for sure, but that's that, this is part one is playing setup to that. Well, they were connected by Optimus Prime. <laughs> well, I, I guess, but I like Optimus. Um, uh-oh. Jay's hit a pose here. He's hit the now, finger. Now, see... I'm looking back to when I was a kid mm. and watching 80s Transformers. Then I'm watching some of the other, you know, iterations of Transformers years. And I'm watching these movies. Okay, we all know of the Optimus Prime Death Wish. In every scenario, he is willing to basically, literally, throw himself on the sword to save everybody. But I'm looking at this, the way he carries himself, he's a freaking glory hound. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he is a selfish glory hound. It's like, no, I gotta do this. I got this, guys. You go uh, be puppets over there. You go be useless. It's like, no, no, I got this. Go away. To be fair, the Autobots prove early on that if it wasn't for Optimus, he's an effective leader. Glory hound, fine, but he's an effective leader. Without him, they don't really do anything. They bicker among themselves to be in charge. And that's the thing that gets me. If if he's so crucial to the function of the Autobots as a whole, why are you always trying to blow yourself up, kill yourself, you know, get your spark sucked out, or have you crushed into have yourself crushed into a cube? I've seen this called at some point uh, Michael Bay's patented Optimus Prime fangasm moment. Mm. That's basically what he does in the series, for better or worse. I, I like this version of it best, though, because in the points where he's not having those epic moments for fangasming purposes, there actually is a character underneath it this time. Mm-hmm. And there's actually he's actually got a decent dilemma that, you know, how would Optimus Prime face this? And I can't recall any scenario where he would face this, this kind of situation where the humans... I'm sure it's happened. I don't pretend it hasn't, but I've never seen it. Where uh, the humans are making Transformers. They're making their own robots... But they're melting down everyone I know, friend, foe, and, and everything in between to make them. Holy crap, guys. Why are we saving you? He has that moment where it's just like, why are we helping the humans? The hell with it. We're out. Now, see, if he had just listened to Iron High in the first one, that wouldn't have had this problem at all. I just would have killed Shia LaBeouf and be done with it. <laughs> um, Please. But, like, okay, I know, Diction, you're the encyclopedia of, of Optimus Prime. Do you think this made sense? Like, was this... I, I suppose what I like. I don't want to say it's darker, but it's Optimus Prime facing a realistic dilemma in this sort of universe. No, it makes. I mean, I guess as Optimus Prime would do, he'd have a little moment of doubt, and then he'd recover very quickly. Yeah, I don't I think he needed Mark Wahlberg's. Hero's punch. Yeah. 
Oh, to be honest, there's that opening scene there where, where Optimus finally, you know, starts doing stuff. To be honest, the way that scene's playing out, yeah, I would have killed everybody there. Is it weird that his weaponry keeps changing between stuff? I think yeah. that's the shotgun from the third movie that Megatron had. Maybe. I can't tell. Yeah, I, think he... in the, I think in the toys, it's actually the same molded gun. Well, I, don't know if the, I don't know if the toys are any indication of the actual movie. Well, it but... seems like all their things have been changed, lost, replaced. He looks. He's got a totally different design in this yeah. movie. Yeah. They like he went. He has two different truck forms, and one of them is the both are completely different than what he used to be. Yep. That new, the other truck they turns into is a totally new truck. Then he has his more traditional looking truck, which is cool for fans. Yeah, that, that, that's that, a, that's a, that was a nice movie. little nod to the fans. There, I did enjoy that, and it helps with the story too. Yeah, he changes into the night form. At the end, which again they kind of foreshadow, you'll take the knights all off the table. So I guess yeah. that's when you bring in the Dinobots, who. Oh, okay. I hate to burst your bubble, fanboys. They look cool, but they're personalityless machines of destruction. Put it this way: you'd get as much personality if you bought like nice figurines and put them up on your shelf. The figures look way better because they have a lot more color. Yeah, and they're not in up. motion. Because the one we get the most focused on is Grimlock. Well, I guess he's Grimlock. I assume he's Grimlock. Because the, the toys call him Grimlock, but he's never got it. No and one the, has a name here. The toys legitimately no. says, Sorry. the Dinobot. You don't see a lot yeah. of them, though, unfortunately. Again, it's all focused cool, is on Grimlock. Yeah. And the little bit and you see is, once again, you know, heavy, shaky camp. It's a lot yeah. of that, unfortunately, and I don't like saying this, you've seen as much of them as you're going to see in the trailer when you see Optimus Prime riding, you know, Grimlock into battle, which is a cool visual it's just it's a shame that the best moment they put from these characters is in the trailer. And then, of course, there's the other... See, this is tying into what you're talking about, the plot. There's the other set of villains, the human May Transformers. I'm essentially calling them Decepticons because it's essentially what they become. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, with the exception of Galvatron, who is basically Megatron. Oh, and... Uh, Stinger. Stinger. Bumblebee and Stinger do have a, a, a confrontation. They do come to it. That's because he's basically... They call him the evil Bumblebee. But he doesn't speak. He doesn't have any personality we know of. The only Decepticon that has a character outside of a name, and even that's not always enough, is Galvatron. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's nothing more than I'm pants-shittingly evil. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, he's just kind of an I'm back, motherfuckers. Oh, sorry. Uh, Stinger and Bumblebee do have their reckoning because there's a little bit of animosity earlier in the movie. They now have the reckoning. Which but is absolutely the... one-sided because the Stinger doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it, it's the... It's pretty much the only other named Decepticon in the movie. The rest are just cookie-cutter robots. Which who are there to... sort of works because that's how they're built. Well, but... they are. It's almost like at cannon. some point in the plot, they're like, we need to have like a bunch of robots fight other robots. Where are these robots going to come from? It's like, well, I guess... Why don't, I guess they could be like human drones. Made, yeah, human-made drones. It's almost like it was needed by the plot for this to happen. We need cookie cutter. Because I could have waited until the next movie. Yeah, really. They knew, you know, it kind of should have. They needed their putties. They could have Power Ranger references. They like, just needed a mob of but cannon fodder to throw. Lockdown. Yeah, this could have been two movies at least three. on its own. Probably three. You could have one about the Dinobots, one about Lockdown, Lockdown going after him, and one about these two and Maid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all mushed together, which is ultimately the only problem I really have with the plot. And I can't believe I'm saying this for—I have made this no secret. I don't like Aaron Kruger. Any movie he's made, he's written, I find he's fucked up. And whenever I hear him tell he's going to try to write something, he's trying to do Videodrome. It's just like, you, no, Aaron, stop! You claim to be a fan of these series. I don't understand where that fandom came from before. <laughs> 
Like, because you're a fanboy doesn't mean you should be making movies. Pretty much. I <laughs> kind of argue. And if you are a fan... It's a bad fan fiction if it is. It's some horrible <laughs> fan fiction. But uh, like, this one... The only problem I have with the plot in this one, surprisingly, is its length. But that's tied to the fact that it should have been two movies. There's at least... You could easily split this movie into two parts. That have two movies... Probably should end with, before we get into our final review, the visuals finally get there. Yeah, we'll talk about... What, did, everyone, did anyone have a favorite scene? I can't shake a camera, so I, I can't put one in the thing. You know what? The I, problem I... I'll let, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I did enjoy the car chase. Like, the that human first, car chase. That first car chase with uh, with just Optimus and the humans are chasing him and... Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the first, you know, human-based car chase where, you know, everyone jumps in the kid's rice, ricer, racer, whatever, with all the... Corporate logo going on it, and then he just know, got picked up by Red Bull. He just got picked up by Red Bull. <laughs> but those cool freaking Black Ops, you know, land buggy cars. That's, what the hell? Which you are terrible. They call them terror cars. That's all I ever heard. The, car, why are those cars so scary looking? Because it's yeah. the military and they're and, coming for you. And they're awesome. It's like just the the stuff they're doing. It's just it's a it's a good old fashioned car chase. It's a well done car chase too. Yeah. The one my, my the standout visual moment for me, honestly, is the Decepticon's transformation. Because at the point they're at now, a lot of people's complaints about these Transformers when they transform is that it doesn't make any sense. It's just mo- it's just moving gears with no clear connection how they work. Like, I've seen it before, and I kind of agree with that with basically all the Transformers. The Decepticons now, they're just like, fuck it. When they transform, they become glittering cubes of pretty. There's no logic to it, but they who cares? They coalesce into a robot. You know, speaking of that, yeah. I did notice that like when the Autobots were transforming... A lot of times, it was off camera. Yeah, they just—they seemingly cut them out entirely. Probably because it's an expensive effect, especially when you have no framework for how they're supposed to transform. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of moving parts. The only one who really transforms on camera, I think, is Optimus. Yeah, he does when he it. gets that new body. Even then, it's kind a couple of, times he transforms. Which I have issues with that because he says, "Oh, I need to find my friends to get repaired because I'm, I'm beaten up." But then he scans another truck and he's good. Well, no, I guess the argument that. Wahlberg? He didn't really get a chance to fix them, though, because then... Yeah, he put a few essential parts back together in his own self-repair systems. I guess. I don't know. They do like this transformation effect with the Decepticons, because they use it a lot. Uh, when they first introduce it, we see um, uh, Stanley Tucci's character change the unshapen mass from... He goes from something else to... A Beats? A gu- uh, portable speaker? Product placement. Uh, the Beats pill, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Turns it into a gun... And then they do a scene later in the movie where they go from... scene in the movie where it's a blatant Hasbro product placement to some crazy-ass assault rifle. Yeah. Let's let's leave the surprise. Yeah, they did, but they do from A to B, and it's just like... I, I do like those visual moments, because at this point they're just like, we don't need to show you this, how this thing transforms. Um, we accepted it. And there's obviously, yeah. uh, they're kind of leaving the mass thing, they're kind of... Because they were pretty strict in like the first couple movies about mass and the size of things. The reason Optimus is the truck he is in the first movie is because that's the biggest truck like commercially available into making the same size as these military Decepticons. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's why Jazz is so small. Mm-hmm. In this one, like, you look at Lockdown, how big he is and how small he becomes. He becomes that car, like a Lamborghini. Yes. I how much nice smaller one. he gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They've kind of just whatever... They very much have. They're just like, yeah. But at least it's not as bad as Astro Train physics right now. The, yeah, well, I do like that transformation scene because that's essentially saying, you know what, we give up. 
Which I think is fine because they spent too much time and effort on those transformation scenes mm-hmm. before. And again, you can't tell us like the best remnant of it in these movies is lockdown when he pulls when he transforms his face into a gun. You don't you don't really see how that works. Like you see him do it, mm-hmm. and you get where the gun comes from, but kind of you don't really see how like how it goes from A to B is weird. Yeah, kind of barfs a gun and belches bullets. But uh, like like visually, the action scenes work. The effects aren't bad. It's just sometimes, yeah, it's it's the Michael Bay thing where there's so much going on. It's too it, it long. It almost hurts it's, to look at. It, it becomes unfocusable, and it does like it does suffer from. I think that last action scene is is at least forty five minutes. Oh, it's tiring. Yeah, because there's basically two scenes crammed together. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, don't stop. Well, two to three when you when you really think about it. Right, when Optimus everything... fights the, the the Dinobots, you can argue that's a third scene at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The things are being pulled in there and dropped, like we saw in the trailers. There's like the things with the humans going on separately. There's there's the Stanley Tucci chase scene, which is a decent chase scene. But again, this is yeah. Mm. If I had to pick like one of my favorite scenes of the movie is where Stanley Tucci and his uh, Chinese liaison are running away, and like with this bomb, basically. Yeah. That that's one of the best. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. It's a good chase scene. It doesn't a. Uh... And the, it's it's actually the one time where Michael Bay is like, let's pull the camera back so we can see the shapely woman kick this guy's ass. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she does you a good bet job. Any any particularly good scene? Oh, it's hard to say, but I mean, the one I guess I enjoyed the most there is probably uh, Hound. There, just you know, shooting the shit and everything. Hound's yeah. big action scene at the end. But you know what I love about Hound? His freaking beard. Yeah, it's What's... wires and bullets. Yeah, his beard and his freaking cigar. He's always smoking. Which yeah. is a bullet, which... Which is a giant tank round, which apparently he can turn around and shoot. Well, he's just used him for that occasion, I guess. But it was like, I, I really liked that scene, actually, because that was hilarious. Because, like, you didn't... You wouldn't think of it because it's red and kind of burning. So you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, it's probably just... Didn't a, you complain about that in some ways? Like, ah, uh, it doesn't make sense that he's, a, uh, he's smoking a bullet? Oh, uh, that was maybe a while ago, but... Yeah. But it was kind of like, eh, it was worth whatever. It. It, it pays yeah. off, I guess. But either way, it, it was hilarious, because you, you always see it smoking and burning there, and then all of a sudden he spits it up, flips it around, blows this miscellaneous bot's head off. I'm like, okay, that was, was hilariously awesome. Yeah. Did yeah. anybody like the ship? We didn't talk about the ship. Did anybody actually like that? Not particularly. That whole, like, when they go on the lockdown <laughs> ship, is that even, like, a necessary oh. scene, really? Uh, yes and no. I, I like, a, uh, I like uh, John Goodman's interaction with the strange, ugly thing. There was one scene there. It's like, wait a minute. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Yeah, that was oh. a bit unnecessary. That was that was. This good. movie was kind of getting to like, why is this looking like aliens or species? Yeah, it's getting very uncomfortable. Like Geiger kind of tones to it. You see, all the burning around the ship was it necessary? Maybe did it have to be that long? No. The no. only the, the the big thing it set up was that it it's it basically gave Mark Wahlberg's character a gun. Mm, yes. And it yeah. gave us dino bots, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Because well, I, th- I is that thought what those were. Like, I thought at first the ship was like the to... ark. Yeah. Because that's something they've never really brought up in the series before. Uh, it seems like it is, but it isn't. Well, there was some misdirection there because I thought the dino bots were in the other place where we first see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that me too. I, I from like, where am I going to the? That, that's what I figured. The other geologist was still sticking around for most of the movie while well, she's gonna go. Do this. Tell them about this. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. doesn't happen. Which doesn't happen. Um, but did you have any stand-up visual moments? Not really. 
like I said, I really enjoy that just the normal person car chase. In a movie where it's so super special effects, it's nice to have something a little more normal. Normal or real. Something Michael Bay can actually film that doesn't involve a whole crap load of CG. Uh, Serious, we just want to go into rating there? Yeah. I went in in expecting to hate this film. Again, it's Michael Bay. I've seen the series. I hate most of the series. It's Aaron Kruger, a guy whose writing I've never liked. But I I, I don't know how many people rewrote this or how many other writers there are. I think it's just him at this point, but... He's actually able to to build an actual setup for a trilogy that actually is like, oh, I want to see where this goes. Not just more random Transformerness, which I guess would have been fine at this point because it's going to make a sequel anyway. It's going to make several billion dollars and it's just going to keep going. It'd be unreasonable for it not to when it makes this much money. But that being said, I liked, I actually did like the human actors. Again, Mark Wahlberg, he's much better lead than Shia LaBeouf is. He can actually handle action scenes, which is a big, which is a big help. I liked Optimus's moral dilemma, which I again, as I've gone into, it's it's actually better than I thought it would be. This is what I thought. Like I'm enjoying myself. Like, this is a way better movie than I expected. And then Michael Bay's tropes kicked in. The actions. This movie is three hours, and it's at least an hour too long, at least. But, and this is a big but, I still have a headache from Michael Bay's tropes the action scenes are far too long specifically the last one because it feels like it's an hour and it just might well be the action is too close it's too hard to follow it likes its shaky cam i don't know how a person's expected to survive this in 3d like this is almost the ultimate like endurance test for 3d Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know how else he would do it. It's a tiring movie. It does play great setup, and I'm actually interested in what goes on next, which is something I can't say for the other Transformers movies. That being said, though, I, I did have a better time than I thought. It's still a Michael Bay movie, so you're still getting that. But at least it's a better Transformers film than Revenge of the Fallen or Dark of the Moon. So if I have to give it a numerical rating, I gotta go with a 5. Better than those two movies. But those two movies are at the bottom of the barrel. They're somewhere some in the ones. I'll take the reins. It really... Michael Bay explosion. Good explosions. Excellent explosions. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> we and, but I mean, a lot of them are practical explosions. But Which he is... likes to ridiculously use fireworks. So you literally see all the fireworks spray in the background, which looks silly half the time. Well, it was, it was a firework factory as well as a, as a car factory. They were in China. That's they were in China. Yeah. Apparently all buildings are, like, their foundations and pillars are made of Insul- fireworks. The insulation. The insulation. The insulation. <laughs> Most of the Autobots look pretty good. They sped up the transformation sequences. They skipped them. That too. Well, for the Decepticons, they skipped them. For the Autobots, they were ridiculously sped up. So that was a lot nicer. And the humans, for the most part, weren't annoying. They were... Fairly well done for a Transformers movie. But, yeah, you know, I would also agree. You know, 5 out of 10, it's an average movie. Pick it up for story? Not really. It's kind of a, you know, do you want to watch explosions and be somewhat enjoyed by the plot better than the other three? Yeah, it's better than the other three. Well, I don't know the other two, but I've only heard horror stories of two and three. Okay. So, not to rehash and save about 50 minutes about everything you hate about Michael Bay. Uh, I hate Aaron Kruger more than I hate Michael okay. Bay. So, having only seen the first one and jumping back into it now, not a bad place to do that. One thing, looking back, that had like a strong 
joy of the first one was just the the original score, as we heard. No, no, like the who, who did the score for the first Transformer Michael Bay one? No I idea. Don't know. No I don't idea. Know. But I, I, you know, I enjoyed the, the score for that. This one, there wasn't a very powerful score that I noticed. Maybe when I get it later and listen to it, it's like, okay, yeah, I can really get behind this, you know. The characters were good. The setup for the next one, obligatory, but the next ones could be interesting. They looks like they're trying to write a very interesting story to, you know, maybe cap it off with some villains from the original 80s movie. If they ever built a Unicron, I just, I'm always worried. My, my fear at this point is not that, how, how will they screw it up? Which, it just means I'm a cynical asshole like Dixon. I don't, I'd like to see him try and pull it off. That would be the ultimate fangasm. Unicron. I guess. So maybe that's who we see as the final boss in number six. If we make it that far, which we probably will. Well, come on, they're already pulling on Galvatron. Yeah, I guess they're sort of setting up for it in a roundabout way. I mean, all we need now is Ultra Magnus or Optimus Prime and we got us a movie. Bumblebee could basically be the next Optimus Prime. Yeah, pretty much. Um, How would you rate it then? Like, what would your numerical score be? Yo, I'm going to give this one a six and a half. Because I haven't seen a, uh, a Transformers movie since the first one there. And I enjoyed that one. That was new and different from what I remembered and seen. So this one, you know, A plus on the storytelling. A little too much Michael Bay stuff. But it's what he does. It's what he does. Could have been about half hour shorter at least. Already longer, but I'll give you half an hour. Other than that, that's all I got to say about that. I feel kind of like this movie did a bit of a bait and switch like Godzilla, where they show a lot of the Dinobots, and they use that to sell the movie. And it makes sense, because if you're trying to sell the movie on the performances of the humans in a Transformers movie, well, people, no one's going to believe you. Yeah, people will just, they'll just, they'll just throw it Or that you're going to have interesting like Autobots, they're not going to believe you. They've seen the other movies, they weren't interesting. This movie... I didn't think the humans would be that interesting, and I I knew the Autobots would be a little better, and they were a lot better. We had good actors for them, they had distinct silhouettes, they weren't just random masses of gears. Yeah. They had personalities. Yeah, John Goodman, Ken Watanabe, and John DiMaggio did a good job. They kept up with Peter Cullen. Oh, yeah. Which is an impressive feat, considering he's been doing that for 40 years now? 30 years at least. Yeah, around yeah 30 plus years. 30 plus years. Bumblebee... I guess to keep him in there because they know Bumblebee toys sell somehow. Sam Latucci makes this a six out of ten for me. Really? I really, I really like him as an actor, and him on top of the rest of the human cast impressed me so much that I wasn't like there was actually something to go before all these crazy action scenes. I don't think I needed the Dinobots. I could have waited for Dinobots, but I know they had to have them to sell this movie. Yeah. That's the selling point of this movie, and yeah, this is a great first part of a, of a true trilogy you know like it does play great setup you don't need to see the any any of the others to get this movie which is great i don't know any of the other movies i might buy this one because it's going to go on sale eventually because this is going to be in theater this is going to be in stores for years to come because it's a transformers movie i so, strangely own all three of them um i think that's a good point for us to sign out here uh uh this is the three guys podcast signing out say good night folks good night bye see ya